Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! To wish was to hope, and to hope was to expect. That is a quote from Jane Austen in Sense and Sensibility. Our hopes and expectations were dashed like clams, secure in their shells who were taken aloft by a herring gull to a hundred feet in the air, only to find themselves experiencing the inertial effect of hurtling earthward until the inevitable pavement below. And groggily coming to as the wicked winged creature feasts at your bowels, the blessed release of death not coming soon enough. It's December 10th, 2018, episode 69. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. outpost, joined by Nick in the Houston outpost a day after my birthday and the worst birthday present in years. And I think that opening aptly conveys the pain of losing to the 2-10 and 10 Oakland football Raiders. I heartily agree. I actually feel a tiny 0.01 percentage better emotionally about the game because of the way you just described that, which was both gruesome and violent, as well it was uh, completely accurate to the way I feel after maybe one of the worst losses. Nay, not maybe. Definitely one of the worst losses of the Tomlin Killer B era. Look, when you're a desk jockey and you don't do much physical other than hit the elliptical a few times a week, it's, it's tough to take out the frustration because you want to do something physical. Sometimes you need to use the power of verbiage to get that out. I understand. Yeah, yeah it's the power of the pen. There was, the there was nothing I could do yesterday. I actually had to go take a walk as, the, as time expired last night. And I actually filmed a little video in my frustration slightly after the peak frustration, but still within within general distance of the volcano, if you will. And I put that up on our Instagram at Steelers Outpost. So you guys can check out that misery up there. But today, hopefully we'll be able to break this down a little bit more analytically. We're going to talk about briefly go over kind of what happened in the game. Everybody generally knows Steelers blew it. Mike Tomlin having a huge part to deal with that. And we'll talk about why that happened, what this means overall for the Steelers, how this is kind of a microcosm of the, of the Tomlin era. I think it feels like that to everybody. What's the rest of this year looking like as far as playoffs go and, and what are, where did the Steelers go from here? So we'll, we'll talk about all of it. All right. We're going to try and make some sense out of the nonsensical. It just didn't make sense. Um, lost all three of our my bookie bets yesterday. Very disappointing. It started It started poorly, didn't it? It started with Oakland on its own 26, marching 74 yards in eight plays to score a touchdown, looking uh, like invincible. 
from the beginning. Yeah, so it wasn't the same omen that we had at the beginning of the Jacksonville game when Boswell fell down while making the opening kickoff, which apparently is a is a theme in Chris Boswell's life. Well, it wasn't that bad as as instantaneous, if you will, but you're right. They went through us like Swiss cheese. I, for once, talked you off the ledge at, when we were watching that happening, just owing it up to the fact that, hey, it's just the first – series for the Raiders it's the scripted plays we saw the Carolina Panthers do this to the Steelers and then they kind of slowed down um so I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a little pass but I was wrong it, it was totally a harbinger of uh of, of the terror that was about to come but let's not let's not bury the lead here I don't think we have to go totally in order the big story is yet another freaking loss to a horrific team Another loss to the Oakland Raiders where Ben Roethlisberger is now 0-4. We at the Pittsburgh Steelers have not won in Oakland since the 90s, 1995, I believe. I want to say Neil O'Donnell was the quarterback at that time. And uh, Tomlin is taking some major heat for leaving semi-professional quarterback Josh Dobbs in the game after Ben sustained a rib injury, even though Ben was seemingly good enough to go back in the game. And then when he did go back in the game, he goes seven for seven for over a hundred yards and a touchdown, which really proves to us, wow, coach Tomlin and these teams officially and systematically and intentionally play down to the level of their opponent. Yeah, and when you listen to the Tomlin interview, I mean, it was a classic Tomlin interview, right? Didn't make enough plays, didn't take advantage of opportunities, and we're going to rectify that. They, mm. they, his sort of his explanation was inexplicable. He, he was waiting to see um, when to put Ben back in. He said probably could have put him in a series or so sooner, but we were into the rhythm and flow of the game, the rhythm and the flow that was taking us to punt after punt after interception. Yes. I mean, you wouldn't want to mess up that rhythm. He's not wrong. There was a rhythm. It was just, it was a terrible rhythm. So, I mean, this is insanity. It's all the proof you need. John Ledyard, uh, we shout him out a lot on this podcast. He's a great draft analyst, good Steelers analyst, used to run the Lockdown Steelers podcast that Tony Serena runs now. But he had a great tweet when he saw Ben come in and lead the team down the field. He said, this, uh, that infuriates me. So you basically thought you could gut this out because the Raiders suck. So you kept Ben on the sideline when he was healthy enough to be in the game. Nah, man, that is complete BS. If he's healthy enough to play, he should have been playing this whole time. He goes on to say with the next tweet, if you ever needed proof of how the Steelers consider certain teams on their schedule, this is everything you needed to know. Ridiculous. Ben wasn't in earlier. Great drive there. But now you've put the game in a situation where anything can happen. And anything did. So right when he puts Ben on the field, Ben, who'd been driving up and down on the Raiders all game, he does the same thing and drives down and scores. And then, but it's too little too late. It's a ball game. And then you leave it up to the defense and Derek Carr carves up this atrocious defense that surrenders 28 points a game to all teams with a winning record. And uh, these guys didn't have a winning record, so we only let them get to 24, even with the Oakland Raiders trying their absolute hardest to give us the game with 130 penalty yards. <laughs> Tom Brenneman, the Fox for, uh, newscaster or uh, sportscaster, said, you can count on death, taxes, and the Oakland Raiders making stupid penalties. <laughs> yeah, it made me feel a little bit better. It's so weird. The Raiders, no matter who their coach is, no matter who their GM is, their quarterback, their defense, any of the roster, they're always the, – the, one of the most highly penalized teams in the league. It's just the Oakland way. 
Yeah, that that's salt in the wound that we had basically a very good running back outing working in our favor and weren't able to capitalize on it. A good running back outing? Well, you know, 130 yards. We were handed oh, 130 oh, yeah, yeah. yards in this game. The equivalent game. of a good running back outing with, with the penalties from the, the running back. The equivalent of a great running back outing or receiver yeah. outing. Yeah, and, and it's another thing that— Our 12th man in effect. Well, it's just another example of how you can't just look at stats in a football game and have them tell the story without having actually watched the game itself. Because this defense is a complete sham. And we'll get into more specifics on the defense later, but they can't make a crucial stop at all. Like I pointed out earlier, I think the Steelers have only played three teams with winning records this year, and they've all scored 28 or averaged 28 on the Steelers. And you could say there's a certain point where it's the the end of the game. It was in the third quarter, and they had only surrendered ten points to the Raiders. But the Raiders, they only stopped themselves. The Steelers never stopped the Raiders. They just had so many penalties that it made it look better than it was. But really, they were horrific. The biggest, the the, the big news is obviously Mike Tomlin. A, losing to a terrible team. Where, by the way, I did not expect this one. I know the Steelers fans were all sort of half-joking about we're all as nervous for the Oakland Raiders game as we are for the Saints game because the Steelers just can't beat the Raiders in Oakland. And if the Raiders are bad, that's bad news for the Steelers because we got to be worried about the two-win teams because we lose to one of them every year. But I didn't think it was going to happen this year because we the Steelers knew that was coming. They knew that was the history. They knew, they knew that was the writing on the wall. And usually those losses occur in like the first half of the season. And this is towards the end of the year. Figured they would take care of business. Well, the Mike Tomlin team loses it again. And of course, the biggest, you know, and the worst thing he did was the was leaving Joshua Dobbs in there for Ben. But after after Tomlin, after this horrible defense. A guy who I feel much worse for today as opposed to how I felt for him yesterday. He must be having the worst day of anybody, and that's Chris Boswell, who I'll be surprised if he remains the Steelers kicker through the end of the season. 0 for 2 on kicks, two basically chip shot (laughs) kicks. Steelers pull a miracle hitch and ladder to get the ball down to the 20-yard line, basically, to kick a game-tying 40-yard field goal. And the guy, Charlie Browns it. He Charlie Browned it. He fell down before kicking the football. I know the field was bad, but this guy wasn't making that field goal, even if you were on the world's nicest Olympic-treated field. I mean, he's a disaster. That was bad news. Because at the end of all this, the Steelers still could have won. Yeah, I don't know. It It seems like I'm finally off the bandwagon. You know, I do like him. I mean, he... He gets so much credit for what he did last year. Yeah. He got paid for it. I don't feel so bad. He's not going to be uh, without wherewithal, as it were. And he'll probably get picked up. And maybe maybe a change of scenery will help him. But at this point, um, I, I don't know if he should be back. But I don't see you get him re- re- getting rid of him this year. It's crazy that he was a borderline MVP for the Steelers last year. And we actually touted that the amount, I think he won three games in a row at one point with game winning field goals. The amount of times he's beat the dirty convicts in Cincinnati with game winning field goals in the rain. He's the man, but it just shows you. And I don't want to say, I told you so, but I do. We pointed this out when it, when the writing was on the wall early in the season, Boswell was in his head and he was missing kicks left and right. And I just have never seen it work for a kicker with the yips. I don't see them 
get that confidence back during the same season. Sometimes they can get it back if they get a change of scenery. Like Sean Swisham wasn't great for the Cowboys and Redskins. And when he went to the Steelers, he was prolific, fantastic. And so I, I understand them not cutting him before this, of course. I mean, what are you going to do? You just paid the guy big time. He's proven himself over and over again. But, you know, it just it wasn't meant to be for Chris Boswell this year. It sucks to see that it, it's all kind of come down to this. And I'll be surprised if by the time this podcast comes out, we don't see some some kickers flown into Pittsburgh to try out. You think? Yeah. I would assume. Well, I mean, maybe they'll let him play the year out. Uh, that wouldn't shock me either, but he I don't, can't be the kicker next year. It's hard to imagine he needs any focusing. I, I'm sure, as you said, he, he's totally focused on this. He did say in his interview he's, he doesn't lack confidence. People go through slumps, and he's sure he'll get out of it. But I can't believe in the quiet of his head he's freaking out. Yeah, and I totally think to he can – I, I mean, you need someone else. To, you, you just Scobie. can't – if you make it, I mean, it's worse than Scobie right now. If you make it into the playoffs, you can't go with that guy. I mean, I know, and I just, I, I do, he's unbelievable. He was unbelievable. He's not unbelievable right now. And he's going to miss a kick or an extra point in a playoff game if the Steelers can make it there when they're not going to have room for kicks. You know, they're not going to have room to miss kicks like this anymore. I mean, Denver, he missed two. Well, he got one blocked, but. Anyways, got to feel bad for Chris Boswell. But this – you think this is – is Tomlin on the hot seat? Because that seems so so reactionary for us to say something like that. But we've been talking about this on the podcast since the divisional loss against the Jaguars. The season ended very unceremoniously the past two years. And really you can make the argument that anytime you lose in the playoffs, it's – it's never a good thing. There's never a good playoff loss, right? But getting so thoroughly dismantled by the Patriots two years ago seemed like a very bad sign. Like, this is the best we have. Everybody's under contract. Their team's not going to improve that much. Um, and you get crushed by the Patriots. Well, there was still the excuse that there were a lot of injuries and the team MVP, basically the guy who was carrying the team on his back, Le'Veon Bell, who at that time, in my mind, was the best player in the NFL during those playoffs. He was injured and he didn't play, so you can give them some excuse for that. And then last year's just unbelievable failure to the Jaguars, surrendering 45 points to one of the worst offenses in the league. That was horrible, and that was when, when we started having our guard up. The Steelers could realistically lose you know, five games in a row to end this season. I think you're right. I think he's on the hot seat, but he, is he on the hot seat with people that matter? I mean, fans probably are up in arms, as we are, but um, are the Roonies. And, it, and uh, did you see that statistic they flashed up during the game? I think the Steelers are in second place in terms of professional teams with the fewest number of coaches over the last 50 years. Yeah. So the Steelers have had three coaches in the last 50 years. Uh, Connie Mack served for 50 years as, what was he, coach of the Phillies? Something like that. Was, well, 49. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed that you pulled up the name. So what do you think? Do you think, cause I don't think he needs to be fired or anything like Look, that. It, it's, it's so hard to argue this stuff because so how many, how many um, teams get to the Super Bowl, let alone win it. Tomlin's at the top of the heap in terms of productivity hasn't had a lo- losing season. That's really hard to argue. You're going to go from yeah. the frying pan into the fire with another coach. Who's going to be a sure thing. The question you might have if you're the Rooney's is, is he squandering? Is he squandering this window and assets that he yeah. has on the team? I'm not sure. That defense doesn't look like it's stacked. We have a, 
we have basically one player, two players on defense. Well, maybe the defensive line has kind of squared up at this point, but certainly on offense for squandering assets. Antonio sure. Brown didn't see Antonio Brown saw virtually no action yesterday. What do you have? Four receptions, 35 yards, something like that. Yeah. And you, you do wonder how much of that is with Benny. Um, and, and they're the, the weird thing that's going on there this year. And, and, and basically Ben giving Juju the AV targets, but but you're right. I mean, there there was an awesome article I tweeted out. I don't remember the guy's name. Um, he works for the he writes for the Ringer. I'll find it uh, for later in the in, later in the podcast. But um, nice little view from five thousand feet, if you will, on the Steelers and how this era is so odd. It was uh, by Robert Mays at Robert Mays posted it on our Twitter. Just talking about what, what you're saying, like this is a squandered era. I do think here's what I think about Tomlin. He is. A good coach. I think there's obviously only one consistent great coach in the NFL, and that's the best coach of all time, Bill Belichick. And I just I don't even think it's close. I think there's great off. I think there's great minds and Lombardi and Chuck Nolan and all these other guys. But the game currently more than ever is is fixed so that teams can't dominate for a long period of time. And Bill Belichick still does it again and again. But after Bill Belichick, I think it's sort of a hodgepodge that you have Mike Tomlin, you have Pete Carroll, you have John Harbaugh, in my opinion. Um, obviously, right now, Sean McVay is absolutely killing it, but we'll, you know, we'll see if he can sustain that success here or there. I just don't know who you would replace, you know, Mike Tomlin with at this point. And, and maybe we're going too far down this this fire Tomlin rabbit hole. All I really mean to say is Tomlin's on the hot seat as now there's just even more pressure on him. And when you're the coach of the Steelers, there's always pressure because anything besides the Super Bowl, we get furious. So judgment calls, right? You always talk about let's not let's not talk about execution. Anybody can fumble a ball or throw an interception or miss a tackle, but it's how you line up. And Tomlin has made several key misjudgments, in my opinion. Let's talk about clock management. The um, without squandering. Speaking of squandering, squandering a minute near the end of the game that we could have definitely used. We're talking about leaving Josh Dobbs in way past the fact, the point where we should have been confident in having him in there. And generally keeping, um, if he has anything to say about it, keeping Keith Butler in a job. So that's the big one that I have a problem with. And we're going to have a little section at the end of this podcast called I Told You So. And I should have dug up our old tweets or clipped out audio from earlier podcasts. But we're not really making any revolutionary statements when we say here before the year, Haley – I'm fine with Haley being gone. We were fine with it when it happened. We were a little nervous that Feetner might be a lateral move. Uh, proved us wrong. I think they are better with, with Feetner, especially with this red zone percentage skyrocketing and the third downs have been a little bit better. But they shouldn't have been scared to get rid of Haley and Butler. I mean, keep the figurehead. Keep Tomlin, who is a good, you know, good head coach in terms of all his success. And then um, – Keith Butler is not a defensive coordinator. He can't do it. He's never shown literally one successful time being a defensive coordinator. There's not one game. You can sort of say they did okay against the Patriots last year, but it's just fool's gold. Anytime they lead the league in sacks, I think they led the league last year, but half those sacks came against the Browns and, and this year they just beat up on crappy teams and we know anytime they play a decent quarterback whether it's philip rivers or even Derek carr they get absolutely carved up and i i wonder 
Joey Porter and Keith Butler, they're men's men. They are football player guys. They were both very successful NFL linebackers who have cool personalities, really likable personalities. Maybe not in Cincinnati, but Butler has got that draw. Everybody loves him. How much are they are they there because of buddy coach jobs and, and too much loyalty? Because there's nothing the guy's shown that says he can be a defensive coordinator. And I'm aware, like you said, there's not a lot of talent back there. But it's hard for us to tell. Are you just not developing that talent? That falls on Tomlin for keeping Butler. Does it not? Was that a period? <laughs> well, I don't know who makes the. Co- I don't know who makes that call. You assume the head coach has um, purview over the assistant coaches. I don't know if it's for anything. I don't. I, I don't know why he's there. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we can get more in the defense later again, but that that's just atrocious. And you're right with the poor clock management. I mean, they threw the ball to Seth Roberts on whatever, a 30, 40-yard throw for the Raiders, got down to, I think, like the six or seven-yard line. And at that time, there was a little over a minute left. Like, you, I understand Tomlin wanting to keep timeouts for Ben on offense, but, uh, but like, <laughs> do you want one minute and no timeouts, or do you want 15 seconds and one timeout? We didn't even end up using the timeout. So that that's a big that's a big deal. The next thing is we got to look back on on decisions that Coach Tomlin and that the organization made before the season that we said would come back to bite us. And yes, the biggest mistake he's made this year is leaving Josh Dobbs in, basically saying we can beat Oakland handicapped. We'll put the semi-professional quarterback in instead of our Hall of Famer who's sitting on the sidelines, pretty much entirely good to go. We'll beat them with Josh Dobbs. Well, Josh Dobbs should not be on an active game day roster. And this isn't recency bias. We told you this throughout training camp. Josh Dobbs was the fourth best quarterback in camp. And I know Mason Rudolph took his lumps, but why the hell did you take him anyways? Josh Dobbs did not play well in the preseason. And I think they got too enamored with this feel-good story because he's such a great guy and he's a rocket scientist in training. And he put up decent numbers against the Panthers in the fourth preseason game, playing against third string uh, defenders th- under throwing passes to James Washington that all should have been interceptions, but James Washington bailed him out. And I don't think I, I, I said this in the off season, Josh Dobbs reminds me of Blake Bortles and the fact that they're just big athletic humans who can't consistently throw a spiral. And you can't play in the NFL like that. And we said during the preseason, they should have kept Landry Jones, because this isn't some team on the rise where you're trying to breed this backup quarterback. Maybe we can have this option type quarterback to to fill in in case Ben gets hurt. No, this is a team in the Super Bowl window. You can put Landry Jones in there and he can hopefully get you three points on four drives, right? Josh Dobbs didn't complete a pass in front of the line of scrimmage. The one he did complete, he threw four feet over uh, Juju's head and really he stepped out of bounds. So I'm not counting that one. And and this is your fault for having Dennis Dixon the second in when you could have had a competent backup like Landry. Yeah, I feel Jones. like we should have we should have kept Landry in until he had a cane. I mean, Landry's just dependable. As much crap as he got from Pittsburgh, you know, uh, game manager. He could at least score three points. Maybe and, and 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 some people listen to this may say no, but I'll tell you, you're wrong. He would have done better than Josh Dobbs when Juju Smith Schuster is running 
wide open with nobody within 10 yards of him. And the guy throws it four yards behind him with no pressure or anything like that. The worst thing that has happened to this team this year was Josh Dobbs seemingly playing well against Carolina and that damn pass he completed to Juju to help the comeback against the Bengals. Because when he made that, I remember thinking, oh crap, now they're going to think he's good. He can't throw a spiral. He can't throw a spiral. I think there are a lot of guys on NFL teams who could complete a pass. The pass to Juju was amazing in that game, for sure. And I loved it. And I love Josh Dobbs. He's a great story. He's a lovable guy. But you know who else is lovable? Artie Burns. Bud, they're all good people. They're terrible at football. Anyways, that's that's a decision their coach made. We were upset when they drafted him. We were upset when they made him the backup quarterback. And uh, you – kind of suffered for it let's move to the other side of the ball momentarily unless you have have you plumbed those depths Ex- exercise those demons exercise those demons one thing i'll say i'll give just uh, 10 seconds on real quick is that there's some weird sentiment from a bunch of uh, people who don't know how to analyze football who are trying to pin the loss on ben roethlisberger somehow because if you don't know how to analyze a football game say well it's a head coach it's quarterback um also trying to say that if Ben Roethlisberger really wanted to get in there, he could have made Tomlin put him in there. And listen, there's, there is probably some truth to that. Um, but this ultimately comes down to the head coach. Do you think that there was a situation where Tomlin was like, hey, be- hey Ben, do you want to get in there? No. This is Ben Roethlisberger. He loves playing hurt. It's like his favorite thing to do, even if it's sort of hurt or not hurt. It's, it's part of his brand. He came out smoking a damn cigar for, for gosh darn sake. Or, or you're, you're telling me that the head coach can't say, Ben, get in there. Well, there, Mark Caballi said that there was no communication between the two on the sidelines. Sure, I do think that maybe, who knows, Ben could have made a bigger scene and tried to make Tomlin put him in earlier. But this is a Tom, this was a coach problem. And I just wanted to address that real quick. Don't, don't try and pin this game on Ben. So speaking of uh, marauders, Jared Cook, oh, Owen Morgan Burnett, that guy is he is a freaky big guy, and he had his way during that game. Signals that's sort all I have to say. Yeah, that's all right. The signal sort we're we're once again trying to use all these different podcast things, and sometimes the signal just cuts out, and I'm like, man, I hope it bring I hope it comes back in before he finishes that sentence, and I can hop well, in there and say something mildly intelligent. It was a quick sentence without a lot of analysis. It's just about Jared Cook dominating Morgan Burnett, but here mm-hmm. is this this makes you want to take an ice pick, Anthrell Edmonds. This makes you want to put an ice pick into your temple. Mike Hilton dropping a pick six followed by Sean Davis dropping Ugh. his own interception. And this I time, mean, nobody's getting hit <laughs> while they're trying to catch it. No, they're allergic to turnovers. The only turnover we've gotten in like the past six games, because I'm not counting the Blake Bortles one, it is because Derek Carr tried to throw the ball with nobody around him, and he dropped it, and it bounced to us. That was the turnover. Uh, this defense. That was the first sack, by the way. <laughs> the two it got credit for. Derek, the first sack Those, went to it, got to yeah, it. Yeah, Derek yeah. Carr so Derek slipped. Carr fell down. I think he would have got him anyways. But you're right. Derek Carr fell down and gave us a sack, and Derek Carr 
squeezed like the water balloon out of his hand and gave us the fumble recovery. But you're right. I mean, even when teams try to give them the ball, they can't get the ball. But Jared Cook has, has played amazing this year for the Raiders. He's been a great story. He reminds me of Delaney Walker for the Titans a couple years ago when these older average tight ends kind of break out in like their eighth, ninth, tenth year. But uh, you know, a lot of people tried to cover him one on one, so it wasn't it wasn't like he got. We were matching up John Bostic on the other team's receiver over and over again. There were multiple people who guarded him. Uh, Terrell Edmonds very unsuccessfully, Morgan Burnett very unsuccessfully, L.J. Fort, a bunch of people. They couldn't. But jeez, man, he's the only liable option they have on offense at any skill position. Jordy Nelson runs a five. 640 time right now and even he caught a few balls it's just unbelievable Gruden saw that tape of Keenan Allen from last week against the Chargers then they're basically like we're gonna find so many ways to get the ball to Jared Cook we're gonna get him one-on-one coverage we don't even need him on a linebacker all the time because they have these washed up safeties Terrell Edmonds is washed up 11 games into his career and Morgan Burnett shouldn't be in the NFL next year but yeah it's just so frustrating an offense that's so one-dimensional with a crappy offensive line, they're able to rely on a 48-year-old tight end to drive the ball down the field, and you can't figure out a way to take that guy out of the game? Double him hey, if you look, have to. Carr Car was distributing the ball. He had he had four splash plays, pl- plays over 20 yards, 23, 28, 35, 39, and went to Roberts and went to Cook and went to Aikman, and that doesn't uh, account for two 19-yard passes to Cook. So – it wasn't just it wasn't just one guy. Everybody got a turn there. Well, he definitely seemed like he was leading the charge, and especially in the beginning. And I know in the first drive he caught a few, but he was breaking the Steelers' backs a lot. But to, but look, but to your point, look at all those splash plays. The defense doesn't stop anyone. They've done. We've tried to keep the faith at some points, but we told you before this year started. There's no way this defense can be better than it was last year because you lost Ryan Shazier, you didn't add anybody good, and you have the same horrific, maybe one of the worst two or three defensive coordinators in the whole league. It's not going to improve. And there was a lot of fool's gold this year, but we're showing even against a competent starting NFL quarterback like Derek Carr. Obviously, he was great a few years ago, but right now you could just categorize him as solid. Obviously, he doesn't have a lot of people to throw to. I mean, he carved them up with ease. Luckily, they had 130 penalty yards sort of offset some of that. I mean, granted, half of those ridiculous. were face masks on our, against our offense, I mean, against Jalen Sanders. When you, look at, when you look at the percentage of drives ending in a score, the Raiders averaged 33%. We gave up 40%. We, hold, we normally hold teams to 33%. We let them score each time they got to the red zone. I mean, we let an incompetent, not incompetent, but way underperforming offense look better oh, than yeah. it does. I mean, the Raiders average 18 points a game. We go off 24. The Raiders tried to tank this season. They traded their best two players at the beginning of the season. One of them is up for defensive player of the year this year. They are trying to lose, and we wouldn't give it to them. So, yeah, the defense is an absolute nightmare. Once again, we're going to do a little looking forward segment later in this show. They're, they are devoid of talent. I am very worried about Terrell Edmonds as many of us said when they drafted him. And uh, the the coaches obviously have to go. So, I mean, that could be impositive. Hopefully you get someone else. But, yeah, defense was a, was a total disaster. And, of course, they folded as they've done the past three weeks in a row. And it's time for the opposition to make a game-winning drive. It's going to happen three weeks in a row. 
So I want to revisit something you were talking about um, with regard to offense and uh, this this myth that uh, Ben had. Uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Let me rearrange what I was saying. That there was only one punt while Ben was in the game. Yeah. Um, I was just noticing on that first series though, Feetner. What, what was with the DHB reverse? I guess I would have loved it if it worked, but it just seemed like the second play of the game, we go for a reverse. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's frustrating when it doesn't work. I will say he, DHB has had a couple nice reverses. Uh, he has like one or two a year and like a 50-yard touchdown against the, the, the Dolphins. I don't love the call just because I don't think there's any reason for DHB to be on the field on offense. Say, Let's give the ball to Juju and AB when we can or, or throw it to Jalen Samuels out of the backfield. But um, that did well, not Let's work. just look at something that's really scary, and that is the run game. After I mean, We are so lucky that Connor ended up being the real deal because the cupboard is bare after that. Yeah. I could probably – I couldn't beat Jalen Samuels in much, but I'd still be <laughs> I'd be within ten yards on the forty. Yeah, I think you would. We said he this cannot, again. He does not have burst. He does not have burst ability. He cannot hit the holes. I know there were, the offensive line got some crap for not opening holes, but I, I just saw Samuels was so far behind the flow. He wasn't hitting the open hole. Well, he got screwed a little bit when Josh Dobbs came in and the Steelers were scared to put more than one receiver on the field. So Oakland knew that they were going to be uh, we were going to be running. But they're the 31st ranked run defense in the in the league and he couldn't take advantage of it. And uh, Ridley looks over the hill. Unfortunately, that's our guy. We, he looked good last year in one game, but not there Yeah, Again, this is really frustrating because. This can be a, a little results bias if we're saying, we told you so. You know, there's other things that the Steelers have proven us wrong on. Uh, Feetner has been much better than we anticipated he could be. We didn't know how much how much better they could get, and, and he's really done a number with the red zone offense. But when they drafted Samuels, this is another tweener positionless, not really a running back guy in the mold of Chris Rainey and Dre Archer, but just in a different way. Uh, he, he's not a running back. He's the slowest guy on the field. Marquise Pouncey would toast him in a race. And when Ben came in and he was able to throw him some screens as little passes to the flat, he did pretty well. And actually, I, I, I don't I don't know what he's got to do, you know, to stick around on the team. I like him as like a third running back on a team. You know, he's bulky enough so he can pass block. And he does seem to be very economical about the way he runs if he can get it in space. He's not going to break anything, but he's good for seven yards on a screen pass. Maybe more. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. The cupboard is bare without Connor, and it really showed. Uh, I think you already, have, you already have one of those guys on the team. Rosie Nix. I know he's not Jalen Tim, but I, I, I already have one of those guys. Passes. He can block. He can catch. He has that surprise two catches a year. I, I see Samuels as being superfluous. Yeah, if I'm using uh, that word correctly. Yeah, I've seen other. You know, you see the Patriots put James White in to do some stuff like that, and the, and the Eagles with Corey Clement last year to some success. The Steelers obviously like to have the one bell cow. <laughs> imagine if, imagine if you just paid Le'Veon Bell, we could have just handed it to him when Josh Dobbs was in. Uh, they like to have the one bell cow running back, but I, yeah, I like backups who can actually be a, a running back and not a kind of gadget guy. And and hey, we thought really looked really good last year. Uh, he seems to have sort of have fallen off of a cliff. But, um, yeah, just as far as the offense goes, they weren't world beaters, but uh, it was rough going. It was similar to the last few games where they were driving the ball down the field, but something would happen or Chris Boswell would miss a field goal. How about the touchdown of Juju to end the first half? Uh, I mean, when he caught man. that, you felt like, okay, we're going to win. 
I know that's early, but that's what it felt like. Okay, unbelievable. Are you frozen? Are you waiting for me to talk? Catch. It yeah. was it was Tony buffering. Toe Tap number two. Tony Toe Tap number two. Tony Toe Tap two. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, I mean, fourteen to ten. The ball down to himself. In unbelievable play, and it seems like every time we make these amazing plays, fake spike to AB against the Cowboys, defense blows it. Hitch and ladder from from Washington to Juju. Chris Boswell blows it. Juju tipping the ball to himself and Tony toe tapping. Always blow it in these in these with these big plays in these games. But yeah, the offense when they went up fourteen to ten to end the first half, getting the ball back, it seemed like okay, Steelers aren't going to blow them out, but they'll take care of business. And then Dobbs goes in for four drives, and the the Steelers basically kneel it the whole time. And the one time they let him throw down the field, it throws a pick. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to give them a grade because Tomlin didn't want to let them have a quarterback. So, I mean, it's so much of this loss is, is squarely on Tomlin's shoulders. And then you just look at the overall problem of just the defense and what the hell are they going to do with that talent and lack thereof on the coaching and on the field. So speaking of losing, I think I mentioned at the top of the show, we did have, um, I went, uh, I went out on a limb. I, I made three bets this week. We are not going to bet against the Steelers, but we might nope. might not bet at all this next week. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea. But if we do, we're definitely going to bet using my bookie, and my bookie's got betters and all major markets covered, and they got an entertaining lineup of gaming options. You can bet on fantasy. You can bet prop bets. Like, um, let's see, what color aviators will will Mike Tomlin be wearing during the game? I don't know if that's if that's an option there. I mean, hey. For all, for all of us raking him over the coal, he does look good while he's standing there on the sideline. At least he got that going on. So maybe you can take advantage of those prop bets or you can bet on an over-under fantasy score for one individual player or something like that. They got a ton of bonus offers. They'll give you some $25 free play. They'll match you on deposits over 100 bucks if you use our promo code OUTPOST25 to activate the offer. So visit mybookie.ag online today, and don't forget to use the promo code OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play and remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with you play you win you get paid so we've got the patriots in front of us this weekend what are the yeah. chances of us winning that game you know what it's probably 50 50 you know the steelers they'll beat the patriots they'll get crushed by the saints and then they'll tie the bengals in the last game and we'll and somebody will miss a kick for some team in the afc west and we'll miss the playoffs but yeah let's take a look towards the future uh, they're playing the Patriots and they're playing the Saints. I have pointed this out a few times in the show. 28 points per game to teams with winning records. And these guys average right around 30 points per game. There's almost no way on paper that you can see the Steelers winning either one of these games. Even though the Patriots are not quite the unbeatable force that they've been in the past few years. They're still the Patriots. You know they're going to get outcoached. If Jared Cook did what he did to the Steelers... I do not want to know what Rob Gronkowski is going to do. Tom Brady, they're, they're familiar with this defense enough where you got to imagine the Steelers are going to need to score 40 points at least to beat these guys. And you know what the worst part about this is? Is I'm freaking trapped. I waste, I've wasted three hours every Sunday for the past three weeks. And, I'm, and, and in my mind, I feel like they can, they can win. I feel like it's 50-50, 60-40 Patriots win. But – Let's bring it back down to earth here. 
The Ravens are a half game behind the Steelers in the playoff race. They play the Chargers, which can be tricky, and they play the Buccaneers, who suck, and they play the Browns, who are actually pretty decent. The Steelers have the Patriots and the, and the Saints, two of the top three teams in the NFL, really. I don't care if they lost to the Dolphins, the Patriots, especially when they play the Steelers. They become the best team in the NFL. Steelers could be out of the playoffs. Odds are that they probably would lose these next two games. But they do have a chance. It is at home. The Steelers play way better at home, especially on offense. And maybe they can win a shootout in that. So the playoffs are still alive, but it's just so discouraging. I don't know how you can take this defense anywhere and have hope for success like long-term in, in this season. We'll assume that the teams that are currently aligned get in. The Steelers are going to play the first game on the road against what? The Texans. It's really hard to tell right now because it's, it's going to depend on what happened in these. You, you think that the Ravens will go two and one in their last three games. And the odds are the Steelers are going to go one and two. And then the, the Ravens would win the division and the Steelers actually probably out of the playoffs at that point. If they're eight, seven and one, there's other teams that'll push them out. So right. I, I'm not even worried about who they're going to play at this point. It's just, I don't know. Well, the, you know, next week uh, it looks bleak. Of course. I mean, look what they've done. They've, they should have lost to Jacksonville. In my opinion, you're sort of on a four game losing streak. It's weird because you outplayed the teams in the last three games you played, but you've just found creative ways to lose games. And now you're playing some juggernauts who are much more sophisticated in their coaching than you. They're going to be able to pick you apart. They have weeks of film of your failures, particularly on the defensive side, to look at and to exploit. There's no running game to speak of for the Steelers. The the Patriots do have a good defensive front, and it's just – I don't know. This uh, we've maintained some positivity on this podcast, but it just looks bleak, you know. Um, now, do I think they right. can win? I do, but we'll see. And then the next week, we'll be talking about, you know, what that really means going forward, playoffs or no playoffs. But uh, they have a one-game season right now. Well, let's not indulge ourselves too much beyond 2018, but take a take a quick look forward. Yeah, can we even improve my- next year? You can always improve, and, and one one example of that is how we were nervous about this year. You know, we didn't know Le'Veon Bell would be sitting out, but you're looking at a team that we said in the offseason, they won. They only lost three games last year, but that was, I'm not going to say a facade, but they lucked out with a crazy easy stretch of quarterbacks, and they got to play Deshaun Kaiser twice, and Aaron Rodgers was injured when they played the Packers, and they really lucked out with some of that. We said they're probably more of a five-loss team, and this year they lose. They don't have their best defensive player in Ryan Chazier, and it turns out they lose basically their best offensive player in Le'Veon Bell. Now, one thing that did improve was Feetner. Feetner really improved the offense, and we said that in the offseason as well. If they can just get a better red zone percentage, you're going to have a much better team because they never have a problem moving the ball. Well, that happened. So, Hopefully they get rid of Butler and they get someone in there who knows how to run some defense and they have a, maybe they can sign one or two free agents uh, on defense in the off season and bolster the corpse a little bit. But it's just, it's so discouraging right now because it feels like this killer bees era is coming to an end. You know, Ben's getting older. It's not over yet people, but monetarily speaking, this team is built to win right now. The whole offense, the line and the skill guys, they're all under contract. 
the main guys on defense, main guys being Cam Hayward and 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 Cam Hayward. You know, he's he's locked up. Obviously, TJ got for a few more years. They, I think the Colts. What are they like? Six? They're around five hundred right now, and they have like a hundred ten million dollars in cap space, and we're gonna have like twenty million dollars. How much better can this team get? I mean, you're going to have a late draft pick in the first round. You haven't really done well with those draft picks. And you don't have a lot of money where you can go sign three guys. So there's not a lot of room for improvement. But, you know, you still got a ton of talent. Still got a history of success. And the the switch to Feetner was very encouraging because at least if you get a, a competent defensive coordinator in there, you could see uh, some things improve. But you're right. We shouldn't get too far into that looking into well, the future just yet. Then we will indulge ourselves a little bit with talking about our prognication, prognostications for this year. As we talked about this at the beginning, there's no way this defense improves. I mean, Ryan Chazier is out. That is an absolute negative that can't be replaced. And – even though I was hopeful that another year for the DBs would prove to be yeah. an advantage or an improvement, that actually I will say Sean Davis has improved because you don't hear his name as much, even though he lost, he dropped another interception this game. Yeah, and he he improved from being the worst safety in the league to being one of the worst because he's been missing tackles left and right, and he's allergic to the ball as well. Uh, the Artie thing, I mean, he was never good. We were hoping he could become somewhat competent. That did not happen. Uh, he'll be, uh, I guess, a special teams guy next year. <laughs> but I'm just – listen, I'm really worried about Terrell, Terrell Edmonds. It was such a weird pick when it happened, and he has shown nothing. At least with TJ Watt, who has been playing well, you could see it last year. Like He had moments. He wasn't dominant. But he had moments where he played really well. Even James Conner was a rookie last year. When he went in, he averaged like seven yards a carry. As long as you didn't have him pass block, there was something there we could point to. And then obviously Juju was pretty much a stud as a rookie. Just with Edmonds, I don't see it. His ball skills were not a strength at all during college. He has very much reinforced that in his time with the Steelers so far. James Washington, I'm going to hold out hope for. Because, you know, we'll give them a little, both of them a little bit of a pass. It's just their first year, but he hasn't shown anything. I'm just holding on to those great catches he made in the preseason. Mason Rudolph is a backup quarterback. Chooks, at least he got some time in there, but it's it's just tough, man. I just wonder where are the reinforcements going to come from. And, and we did call that from, from last year to this year. And uh, we already went over the Dobbs Landry thing. Um, yeah, we, we kind of went over well, some of this. We told you, we told yeah. you stuff, but I think it's important to look at. We said, you know, these things like taking Dobbs over Landry is going to cost you a game down the stretch. It just did. Boswell is going to lose you a game down the stretch. We said this earlier in the season. Now that the Steelers couldn't have really helped that. Who knew that the Pro Bowl kicker is going to turn uh, into a yipper? But uh, you know that happened as well. And and uh, I don't want to say you're patting ourselves on the back, but we want to look at the process of how teams get to where they're at. Now, listen, this is a little hippy-dippy, but there is something to be said for the Pittsburgh Steelers showing up in big games. And so do they have a chance against the Patriots? They definitely do. I do not the, – the, the Saints in New Orleans, that worries me. That's just – that's a tough task for anybody. But let's see what they do against the Pats this week. I think there's going to be the fire of hell lit underneath the city of Pittsburgh – 
from the Jesse James incident from last year. They know that they can beat the Patriots. That monkey's sort of off the back because last year you beat them, and the NFL decided that you didn't beat them. But if they can win that game, I'm not confident in this defense. We weren't confident when the season started, but you never know. You got number seven. You got Juju. You got AB. You got that line. Mike Tomlin, hopefully he can – he can turn this failure into a, into a way to rally the team. And if they beat the Patriots, that, that's, that's, that's a big deal. So we'll, we'll check in after that guys. I mean, the, the, the house is on fire, but it hasn't burned down yet. Hopefully the firemen are on the way. Okay. Keep the hope. Hey, we love having conversations with you and there are multiple ways to get to us on Twitter. Obviously Nick's prolific and um, you can hit us up at, at Twitter at Steelers outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email, SteelersOutpost at Gmail. And latest, as Nick mentioned before, we have a new Instagram account. We're interactive. We want you to talk to us, communicate to us. Instagram will be our, our new platform of choice to interact with us in an interactive way. Interact. So until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.